Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Conway Edwards, the lead pastor of One Community Church. We're extremely grateful to have you join us today as we discuss how we can expand our leadership capacity in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our churches. Now let's tune in to today's episode. We're pretty excited and extremely grateful to have with us today Pastor Albert Tate from Fellowship Monrovia, uh, a fantastic church that is leading the forefront in diversity. Um, And what we want to talk about today is the fact that many people across the country right now are saying, you know what, we need to be more diverse. We need to be more culturally sensitive. And pastors are wanting to know, but how do I do this? What steps do I take? What issues are underlying what I'm going to have to deal with if if I make these steps in our church today. So we're thrilled to have you here. Yeah. So we want to welcome you, Pastor Albert Tate. So glad to uh, be here. We're pumped because uh, we get to dive into this issue. And, and the reason this is an issue is stats are showing by the year 2043 that we live in a country that's going to be what we call a minority majority, which means that the ethnic groups currently identified as minorities will mm. eventually outnumber the majority Caucasians in this country. Mm. We coming for y'all, man. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's <laughs> what statistics are showing. Are coming and get ready. But I think that's why I think the, the title of this podcast uh, and the theme is just so significant and so needed. We need to begin to think about the future now yeah. and how does, does the church position itself. I look at it. I mean, you got race. You got all those stuff that I'm sure we'll dive into. But driving all of it, we have a missional opportunity right. to reach people who are lost, and how do we as a church position ourselves to reach lost people? And the majority of our cities are going to be people who are people of color who need to hear, experience the gospel. So I feel like even as we dive into it, there are a lot of implications with race and dynamics, but it's got to be missional. You got to be saying, God, I want your heaven, I want your kingdom to be expanded with as many people as possible. And when I hear that, I hear opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. That's great. It just breaks my heart that the 11 o'clock hour in Sunday morning is still one of the most segregated hours uh, throughout our country. And if heaven is going to be diverse, why don't we show a preview of what it's going to be like if we collectively, as church leaders, pursue making sure our churches are, are multicultural. Yeah. So let's jump in. I, I could not think of anybody else to pull this discussion together, but Pastor Albert Tate from Fellowship Monrovia. Yeah. And so, Albert, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your church does? You are, you are about 50 50, 50% of your church is non-African American. Tell us a little bit about the makeup of your church, right after which tell us a little bit about what are some of the things you're doing to pursue diversity. So I'm originally a Mississippi boy, grew up in an all black church, uh, old school holiness church. The women wore white on communion Sunday, had on stockings, (laughs) uh, had their heads covered. Uh, and couldn't wear pants. The, if you played on the basketball team, you wear, wore a blue jean skirt. Uh, y'all, y'all know my that. My you my know my. what I mean? Well, Matt, you don't know nothing <laughs> about that. But, <laughs> but, but, but that's how I grew up. And then uh, about 12, 13 years ago, moved to Southern California, mm-hmm. worked at a predominantly white church there, went to Bible college. I was one of the few black students in the Bible college. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm learning to navigate and understand white church culture as I am rooted in bread and black. Both my grandfather spent 40 years preaching. preaching my yeah. mama wow. still is the musician on Sunday morning my, my, at my. my church back in Mississippi. So born and bred in the black church, but now getting this work experience, academic training, l- navigating white church. Yeah. Um, and in the midst of that, God just gave me a vision um, okay. for what would it mean in our neighborhood to have a church 
uh, with people that don't look alike, don't live alike, don't vote alike, my, my, my. but all centered on something greater than themselves. And that's the mm. gospel of Jesus Christ. Incredible. So I got that vision of what that mm. church could be. And we launched it about six years ago. Okay. Um, and we are currently, we're in Southern California. So we launched it about six years ago, but we are currently 50% uh, probably white and then 50, 40% everything California has to offer. Wow. So Y'all know we got stuff in California I never even heard of before. You know what I mean? I didn't even know that existed. So we've got um, all these ethnicities and it is, it has been amazing. And I'm telling you, um, it's been a lot easier than I thought it would have been. People yeah. are thirsty and hungry mm -hmm. to experience the gospel and the breath of God's love Absolutely. in diverse settings. People yeah. are looking for it. So I had many people saying, we've been praying for this. We've been longing for this. This is what we desire. So in many ways, I know there are a lot of challenges, but in many ways, the soul of God's people are thirsty and hungry for this. So it's like putting a, a, a well in the middle of a desert. Yeah. Wow. yeah, especially the millennials. It looks like they have grown up in a much more diverse experience. And so they are thirsty for the church to be who they are and yeah. lead the way yeah. in, the, in the diversity conversation. Yeah. So tell us practically some of the things you do. I know you do the Center for Racial Reconciliation as one of the things that you do to maintain it and to prepare people for it. Walk us through what you do in this day and a half. Well, one of the, cha one of the challenges when you've got a multi-ethnic church is you run the risk of doing cheap reconciliation and not mm. deep reconciliation. That's excellent, yeah. So we really want to make sure we're doing, because it's not enough to say, oh, we go, I go to, my pastor's black, so I'm woke you know what <laughs> right. I mean like or right. you know I go to church with white people I'm diverse no right. no no no. it's 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 deeper than that I don't want to settle and that's a great first step and for some of us that'll be a big win but I don't we don't want to settle God doesn't call us the cheap reconciliation he calls us the deep reconciliation exactly in order for us to have that deeper reconciliation we've actually got to sit down and talk about what's happened to yeah. us yeah what what our journey has been so we by way of spiritual maturity and discipleship, mm -hmm. take people through a day and a half workshop where we got, start from the inception of American history mm. and what happened uh, with mm. race. And we walk through redemptive acts of, 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 of reconciliation and, um, and antagon antagonistic acts of reconciliation. So things that have worked for reconciliation yeah. and things that have worked against, against it yeah. throughout our history. And we name systems, we name institutions, we name laws and movements. And it's amazing for us to take the time and to see where we've been and recognize that wasn't that long ago. Right. So we're, yeah. we're surprised and we think now everything's even, everything's equal. Yeah, I wish it was that easy. I wish it wasn't that complicated, <laughs> but it's really complex. So it we got to take time to understand, but just in honor of fellowship, you're my brother, you're my brother. Let, right. me, let me not make assumptions about you. you. Let me not assume who you are. And just because you voted for Trump, let me not assume that I know all that you feel about race. Because I know you voted for Trump. I lie, I try, I <laughs> Even I though he didn't looking, vote for Trump, know, no, 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 no. that out. No, but, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. But, but we, we're in such a divided society now. Yeah. Uh, white, Trump, black, Obama, Hillary, we, the body of Christ, we got to rise above that yes, and say, right. what, let me know who you are, your soul, yeah, so right. now I can love you for who you are and understand the dynamics about your culture That's that right. I just don't get. And you understand the dynamics about my culture that right. you just don't get. So right. when you say, when we say black lives matter or when mm -hmm. we kneel during the anthem, all that, right now, all of those are caricatures and we just assume that we know what each other means. Mm -hmm. You just have no, you have no idea what it means until we sit down and understand That's and listen to one another. So we create space where we can do that for one another. All right, so yeah. this wow. is one of the things you do, the Center for Racial Reconciliation. What else, what else do you do to 
to bridge that gap so that whites and blacks and Asians and Hispanics and Indians yeah. and everybody else can come together and truly feel like this is a gospel community. Is there anything else that... that well, that one of the big things that we does? did when we first started, and this is a benefit of starting a new church. Yes. So let me, let me just say this. It's... Um, I, there's a place for ethnic-centered churches. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like every church has to be multi-ethnic. I know people make arguments for that. I feel like there's a place for it because it serves a cultural purpose yes. um, that, that's unique. However, if we're going to plant and build more churches, which we all should, I'm convinced they should be multi-ethnic because that's what we have the least amount of. Correct. And in building a multi-ethnic church, one of the first things we did unapologetically was everybody gets stuck on worship. Everybody gets, well, mm -hmm. what's the big worship question in the worship wars of the 80s and the 90s and right. splitting churches over right. worship? One of the right. first things we say is we don't care about the worship. Yeah. I, I, worship is about God, not about you. Right. So we're not sitting up in staff meetings trying to figure out, ooh, what songs are they going to like? We don't, care, we don't care if you don't <laughs> like it. As a matter of fact, my goal is to be so diverse in our, off, in our, in our worship offerings that one Sunday, I hope we play a song that you don't like. Right. And or I'll don't say this, know. Or don't know. I'll yes. say this from the platform and say, yeah, because we're not strategizing all week trying to find, trying to make worship comfortable for you. Worship yeah. is for God, yes. not for you. No, that's so good. that diffuses this thing because we think, we think the church is about our comfort. Yeah. And it's not. One, yeah. one, one, great, one great leadership quote on the church talks about this, how the church, uh, we look at it oftentimes as a cruise ship. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, mm. The cruise ship is centered on the needs of its passengers. Exactly it is right. for the place. You've been on a cruise, man. Yeah. You know they have like a midnight buffet. <laughs> and you think, who in the world needs a midnight buffet? And you get down there, oh, yeah. it's 3,000 people <laughs> down there. Right. 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 I mean, just crazy. But they are all about meeting the needs of, and we think the church is like that. We think that we exist to meet the needs of the people that feel those roles. No, 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 no. The church is not a cruise ship. It's more of a battleship. Yes, it is. You ever been on a battleship? Yeah. Wow. Oh, ain't no, ain't no pool on the Lido deck. You know what I mean? <laughs> they got guns. They got money. They, they, their mission is to fulfill the mission of up under the banner in which it flies. Yeah. And that's what the church is. We are here as a battle. So we are here to serve. So once you build in that servant mentality, yeah. the need for worship that I'm familiar with drops yeah. down. Mm -hmm. But we've got to train that in our discipleship. That's good. That's yeah. Good. That's good. Wow. So... You started off like this. So this helped you planning your church, right? It helped That's it, but huge. then it also attracted people that were hungry and thirsty for that, mm -hmm. that they didn't even realize they were hungry and thirsty for it. Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, I think a lot of our churches, we, being seeker sensitive is, and I get that and I understand that. I just think some people have inappropriately taken that to say, let's make the people that come to our church as comfortable as possible. And it's not, we're not calling you to comfort. We're calling right. you to Christ. Yeah. And once you yeah. do that, people are willing to sacrifice in new ways. But it's, it's interesting. In our social dynamics, we, you know, white folks are used to worshiping together. Black folks are used to, and when exactly we come together, right. you know, exactly like right. I, had this, I had one white guy at our church, this sister, uh, and she was passionate. And she just, you know, black, which we preaching, doc. She, she talking back to me. Right. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Come on, pastor. <laughs> yeah. Finishing my sentences. <laughs> My, the white guy that was sitting next to him, it was driving him crazy. He was like, he came to me after this. Why is she talking so much? I can barely hear you. It's so disruptive. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's normal. That's how we do it. He's like, what? And That's now great. he's learned to appreciate it. Now, he don't be saying nothing, <laughs> but he's gotten capacity. So we're learning. So you have those moments where we learn from one another. Yeah, yeah. One of the challenges that, um, that churches face when they're pursuing this is how do we 
how do we get people together to talk about this? Uh, Chris Green from the Summit Church uh, posits that there is a process for doing this, for, which goes from ignorance to awareness to interaction to gospel community. Most churches get to awareness and they get stuck right there. Yeah. They, they don't move through the interactions because it's too messy. It, 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 people get offended. And so they never get to gospel community. Yeah. Uh, how, do, how do you think we move from, uh, okay, yeah, there's a problem to, okay, we're aware of it, especially when some of the tragedies happen in our community, we get really aware of it and we want to do something on that day or to, to, to mourn the loss of somebody. That's fine. Yeah. But, but then we scatter back to our corners. Yeah, yeah. How, do we, how do we move from awareness to interaction and how do we take a body of believers there? I'll tell you this, if you're having the conversation and no one's uncomfortable and no one's gotten mm. offended, then you're not having the conversation. Mm. So it goes back to the culture of our churches. We're used to having conversations where everyone can be comfortable and no one gets offended. No, 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 no. This conversation requires that yeah. in order yeah. to get down into it. So in order to do that, you got to establish what I like to call a grace, grace center. It's a double grace. As, as God has given me grace mm -hmm. to offend him, to disappoint him as he's given me a grace that gives me restoration and redemption, then that's the first grace. Yeah. Then I have yeah. to then be willing to extend to you a grace because great. if I receive a grace, Absolutely. I've got to extend the grace. So this conversation is a grace, grace conversation. You're going to say something that is going to irritate me. You're <laughs> going to say something that's going to be offensive. You're going to say something about black women's hair and you're going to try to touch the hair and I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I'm going to want to knock you in the face, but we got a grace, grace. Say we got a, a table centered on grace, grace that allows us to say, you know what? I give you permission to say dumb stuff. Mm -hmm. Give me permission to say dumb stuff. And let's not get up from this table breaking fellowship with one another. Exactly. Let's create a grace grace so that we can actually have an honest conversation. Because there's stuff you just don't that's know. Good. You good, just right? don't, there's that's things good. you just don't understand. Mm -hmm. And we got to have a grace to be able to do that. I think that's a big part of the conversation. So, we, to, so to use what they talk about at the Summit Church, to go from awareness to interaction, yeah. you'll never, being aware of it is to be uncomfortable and to be borderline offended. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, okay, I'm, you aware, now what? What you gonna say? What, <laughs> what? Then the interaction is gonna require a grace and permission giving. Yes. I give you permission to say what you think and say what you feel. Yeah. And to express that. Yeah. Well, what about black on black crime? What about, you right. know, you just right. like, what you say? Right. What you say about my right. mama? What you right. say? So I give you permission to, 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 to vet that out and then give me permission then to come back and talk to you and say, White on white crime is just as big. Asian on Asian crime is just as That's big. Good. People tend to commit crimes with people that they do life with and that they're in community with. Yeah. But you don't ever hear that in white communities. White people commit crimes against white people all the time. Mm -hmm. It's because of proximity, usually, statistically. In black on black crime, we are passionately disrupted by that. We are brokenhearted about that. People talk about Chicago. I know a hundred pastors right now that are working hard to come alongside. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's not work being done, right. but you need to be able to express your point, and I need to be able to come back and say, no, let me add some knowledge to that. And then from that, we're both stretched and we both Correct. understand. Correct. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. <clears throat> so it goes from awareness to interaction to what was the last step in that? That was now the gospel community, the gospel community. where where everybody seeks to run to the bottom of the, to the back of the line to en 
to, to make sure that we are appreciating the diversity that Christ has blessed us yeah, with. Yeah, we can begin to live this thing out. Yeah. Like we're doing right here. Right. Look at That's Matt, right. you don't feel comfortable. I mean, you don't feel uncomfortable. You don't feel offended. We, the, Lord's, the Lord's done a mighty thing. This is gospel community. That's right. But this is what we want to invite the world into. That's right. Oh, yeah. it's so beautiful. And one of these statistics that I read today was that 78% of Americans say every church should strive for racial diversity, but yet half of Americans say they would not feel comfortable going to a church that's diverse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for most, it's just taking that first step. Yep. Mm -hmm. And yep. knowing it's okay to take that first step. It's okay to feel awkward. Yeah. And, and how do we, as pastors and as leaders, create environments where people know that they can do that, even though they're going to feel awkward. I remember my first time stepping into a predominantly African-American church, figuring out what just happened? Mm. Where am I? Um, and I remember what that felt like. And I remember what it felt like to be the only one like me in a room mm -hmm. and knowing that most Caucasians don't have that feeling. Yeah. 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 And how do we create environments where they know you can have that feeling and it's okay to feel awkward yeah. and, and it's okay to figure that out and wrestle with it. Don't run from that. I think that's yeah. what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. that, that awareness don't run from that. Yeah, don't allow the comfort to disrupt you because if you stayed at that service long enough and if you just so happened to make it to the fellowship hall, you would have got that fried chicken and that red Kool-Aid, <laughs> that red punch. That red Kool-Aid, man. That red punch after church in a white star, uh, styrofoam cup, boy. Woo! You'll never go back, Matt. You'll never go back. But I think that's it. But you know what, though, guys, this, it, the conversation seems a lot of times overwhelming to pastors and leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people, all of this stuff is good, but don't strive for that first. Mm -hmm. First things first. Don't try to get your Sunday morning diverse if your Saturday night isn't diverse. Mm -hmm. That's good. So what I mean by that is if, you're, if you can look back over your social calendar over the last 30 days, and as you look at it, and you, all you've had was a monolithic experience. All you had were people that look like you, live like yeah. you, voted like you. Yes. Don't expect to be the expression to jump from Saturday night to Sunday morning. Wow. You can't hire your way out of this. Mm -hmm. You got to live your way into this. So, because who do you invite to church? Right. People you know. Yep. That's right. People you do life with. Girl, you should come to my church. Right. Well, if, all, if that girl or that guy that you look to looks just like you, lives just like you, votes just like you, your Sunday morning will never be diverse. Yeah. And most people, they try to reach to try to transform the platform on Sunday morning wow. without transforming the living room on Saturday night. Yeah, so great. big challenge. I'm trying to have a diverse church, but I'm not living diverse. You I don't have diverse, diverse books, diverse things I'm listening to, exactly. watching, a part of. It's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. And it definitely won't happen authentically. Right. You'll be calling people to something that you're not living out. No, that's good. And that's never a good that's idea excellent. in the body of Christ. That's excellent. Yeah. That's, excellent. that's yeah. good. <clears throat> All right. Let's talk about three very distinct challenges that, that churches face when they're trying to go diverse. Number one is I, I can hear an African-American saying, I go to my job every day and I serve a white person in leadership. When I go to church on Sunday, I don't want to go to a place that's led by a white male or female leader. And, and that's hard for some African-Americans to get over. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to that African-American parishioner now? And then I'm going to flip it <clears throat> in a moment. But yeah. what would you say to that? I would say you need to come to, uh, to Conway's church or to my church because <laughs> we got brothers leading them churches. <laughs> we black, baby. We're kind of forever. <laughs> What's up, baby? We ain't got you ain't gonna have that problem in our church. <laughs> no, I'm just and the Stanley gotta work that out with it. Was, right. we, we good. No, you know what? It um I get that. Yeah. Um 
Man, being a black leader navigating multi-ethnic spaces and being a lot in predominantly white spaces, mm -hmm. I get the need for just ethnic renewal in my yeah. soul. Yeah. So when I go home to my all-black church with my mama on the piano, right. it does my soul good because it affirms my identity and who I am. Yeah. Uh, because it's a part of my culture. It's a part of the fabric of, of my being. Yeah. So I get that and that's <laughs> needed. And I have to be intentional about getting those spaces in my life, but there's a calling on my life for something greater. That's exactly right. Um, and my mission is to try to disciple in the sea people hearts and eyes and minds open to the power of God in the transformation in their life. Mm -hmm. And I want to do that for people of all colors, of all nations, of all tribes. Yeah. So I've got yeah. a greater calling. Mm -hmm. So to that African-American person that's there, I get and I identify with that. And it all depends on where you are in your spiritual maturity, Correct. your spiritual journey. Correct. You may need more of that. But at some point, we got to start thinking about heaven. Kingdom, yes. And we've got to start thinking about the kingdom of yes. God and the work that he's called us to do and if God calls you to work at a majority other congregation, right. as long as you're doing kingdom work, I then think that fine. trumps yeah. everything else. Yeah. But it also says, even if you flip it for the Anglo person, we have to be sensitive that when somebody comes into our environment, that they see somebody on stage that represents them. Yeah. And I yeah. think um, for African-American churches now that we have to be extraordinarily intentional to getting men and women on our staff that don't look like us so that I and sharing the stage with them yeah. and giving them, you know, a lot of stage time yeah. so that the people in our audiences that don't look like us feel as if we are intentionally trying yes, to represent them. that. I think that's huge. And authentically, <clears throat> we get to learn. Yes. We get to learn from one another. Yeah. I, I learned having, having some great couples that were Latino have helped me learn so much about the breadth and the understanding and the, 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 the width of God's love. Uh, mm -hmm. Having an Asian, so our small group, our life group, we got an Asian woman married to a white dude. We got a Latino woman <laughs> married to a black dude. We got a white woman from Pasadena married to this black dude from London. So he ain't like no other black dude I know from right. London. <laughs> and then you got me and my wife who are both African-American, but from the South living in Southern California. Right. When I tell you I've learned so much about the yeah. fullness of God, yes. when my Asian sister talks about the Asian culture and some of the honoring systems, some of the negative, some of the shaming systems, mm -hmm. but some of the, the work ethic, the drive, the commitment to, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's beautiful. Like, it's and rich. I, and I'm learning more about God as I through see them. God through yes. her. So when I commit to one ethnic group for my spiritual development and maturity, I am denying myself the fullness of the manifold wisdom of God that has been put on display in his creation, in mm -hmm. the diversity of his creation. Mm -hmm. So it's a real theological thing that we're after. It's more than just culture and being with people like me and I, man, I just I want to be with my people. Right. Like that's good, but heaven is so much bigger. Absolutely. And we got to get ready now. And a part of that is practicing in spaces on Sunday morning and in our living rooms on Saturday Sunday night, night yeah. centered around the gospel, understanding how God moves in different yes. cultures. You come from, from the Caribbean, God, yes. you've seen God move in Completely different ways. Different when you go to Africa, yes. you see God yes. move <clears throat> in different ways. When you go to China, the underground church there, you see God move in different ways. Why? would we separate and cut ourselves off from that level, level. of experience? Mm -hmm. I, I, so it, it's so much bigger than just our own comforts and our own ethnicities. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. The second thought then is the worship styles, the challenge to African-American worship leaders and to Anglo worship leaders and Hispanic worship leaders and Chinese worship leaders are, 
how do we how do we create music that is for the wider body yeah. and not just the monolithic group that you're serving. Yeah. I think I think I think that's one of the big distinctions that separate us is I don't like in the, you have too many too much guitar. Yeah. You, have, you have too much you have too much organ. I, you, you, you're going to one extreme or the other. I don't think you can ever have too much organ. I know you would say that. I, I, know, I, you would, I, know, you would, I know you would. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I think out of out of that gospel-centered community that we were talking about earlier, after you get into awareness, interaction, mm -hmm. and then that gospel-centered mm -hmm. community, out of that will flow creativity. That's exactly right. Well, we're creating together, and out of that That's will exactly flow right. a sound. Yeah. Uh, I, so if we've got a, a, a white version, let's do a black song, if we, let's do a hymn. If we've got to do that for a season, but I think over time there'll be the an blending. integration. Yes. God is knitting our hearts together, and I as we're writing is. songs and writing music and creating sound in our congregations, I think a sound flows out, out of that of yeah. that reflects the fullness of the kingdom of yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I just think we have to challenge our worship leaders, especially the younger ones, to, to think broader than just your own culture. Yes, yes. Because if we stay there, then we're, we're continuously teaching our congregations to love what we serve out to them. And the only way to think broader than your current culture is to have another culture right there. Yes. So, so yeah. with the Racial Reconciliation Workshop, I think, when I think about race, I think about black people and white people. Right. Why? Because I'm black and most of my experience has been with white people. Yes. But when I got Latino folks sitting right there, That's they're correct. like, hey, Hello, hey, what's hey, up with me? We in, up in here. Indians. Asian folk are Asian, like, yo, yep. hey, we got a story. Yep. Remember Japan? <laughs> remember remember what happened? Like, we remember concentration camp? Yes. We got a story. Like, yes. And it was like, yes, you do. And I got to listen to that. So let me be quiet yeah. and listen. And it shapes me. So the best way for a worship leader to think outside of himself is to be around people that don't live like him, don't write like him, don't think like yeah, him. Yeah, good in her that expands their portfolio yeah. so the point is you cannot do it in isolation you cannot be by yourself and not have other ethnic ethnic ethnicities around and expect to get fruit that only comes from diversity well there's said. a kingdom fruit that only comes from diversity well said yeah the third one last one is i've noticed in our church whenever they get to middle school uh, we've got number of, lots of white families in our church, but whenever they get to middle school, the teenagers get there. There seems to be a a drop off where they said, "Hey, you know what? For the kids' sake, we want to go into a predominantly white environment." Hmm. Uh, and so, and so, the challenge there is to youth pastors to think differently about how do we create. Uh, a message and an environment that everybody can celebrate. Yeah. And so, any thoughts on that? What are you thinking? Man, I think, man, those people that are leaving are racist, man. That's, that's, <laughs> how dare they? No, 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 no. I, um, you know what? I think we've got to create a culture to where by the time they get to sixth and seventh grade, mm -hmm. it's so familiar to them yeah. that to go to an all white or all black experience after that would almost be. Um, discouraged they'd almost feel like i'm missing something yes because yes. like i'm convinced that if you taste the fruit of this diversity it's it, hard it's to go wealth. back to the yeah, other absolutely. so to how to make sure absolutely. that we immerse them in uh -huh. fourth and fifth and sixth grade give them experiences it may be a special camp experience yes. or a special trip yeah. missions trip where we intentionally talk about the value of diversity yeah. so good. that when we get to seventh grade and they're tempted with to, to start identity grabbing right. for what's familiar they say no nah, i've been marked 
Yes, right. By something greater than this. And I don't want to go back. That's really good. To, right? to that because I'll miss that. So yeah. I would say intentionally creating experiences in fifth and sixth grade that would mark them and give them the value of what we're after as no, a church. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. All right. Tell us tell us how we can get a hold of you, man. If somebody wants to get more information from, from um, you about uh, the gospel yeah. re- reconciliation. Fellowship uh, Monrovia is our website. Um, Albert Tate is on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Pastor Conway, I can just give you his phone number real quick. <laughs> you can just call him and just tell him to call me on the three-way. <laughs> no, but yeah, Fellowship Monrovia. It's madeforfellowship.com is how you can get a hold of me. Man, this was great. The future, awesome. the future of the church is in good hands if we can keep having these conversations. For real. For real. Yeah. Yes. Great job, Pastor Matt. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. Thank you so much.